This is a recording of Looking Back Almost Five Years On by Daniel C. Peterson, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Daniel C. Peterson. I was in Jerusalem on the 14th of June, 2012. That night, winding down in my hotel room after a long day of guiding a large family group around to significant sites in the city, I received an email from the director of the Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship. He informed me that my nearly quarter-century-long tenure as the founding editor of the Farms Review was finished. Immediately prior to my departure for the Middle East, toward the end of May 2012, he and I had met at his request. At that meeting, which lasted at least three hours, he told me of his desire that the Maxwell Institute begin doing Mormon studies. I responded that if he intended by that to abandon the Institute's long-standing commitment to commending and defending the faith, to turning away from its goal of serving a non-specialist Latter-day Saint audience, as well as scholars, I would be unable to support him in that change. However, I continued, if he wanted to add a non-confessional academic Mormon studies component to what the Institute was already doing, and to focus some of our publications primarily on a scholarly audience beyond the Latter-day Saint community, I would be pleased to endorse the addition. Furthermore, I said I would be happy in my capacity as the Institute's Director of Outreach to seek funding to support it. I'd long thought that Mormon voices needed to be more prominent in the wider world of academic religious studies, and that the Maxwell Institute could play a useful role in encouraging such a change. I was confident when the meeting ended that we had reached a consensus. That 14th June email, however, made it starkly obvious to me that the change he sought was no mere add-on, and that he was determined to fundamentally alter the purpose of the Institute. Its peremptory tone was also a dramatic departure from the collegial and collective decision-making that had always been a characteristic of the organization's leadership. He spoke in his email of a change in direction and a new course for both the Review and the Institute as a whole. I realized then that my belief that we had reached a consensus or an agreement had been grievously mistaken. I received his email as a flat repudiation not only of me, but much more importantly of the kind of Latter-day Saint scholarship that Farms and its successor, the Maxwell Institute, had been established to foster, to publish, and to distribute. Moreover, since the very substantial endowment undergirding the Institute by that time had overwhelmingly, if not entirely, been given by people who wanted to support its apologetic work, I, found, I felt that the new course betrayed them. I did not believe I would be able to raise money to support the new course, not only because I did not think that donors would rally around what I saw as a rather anodyne and elitist project of little relevance to ordinary members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but because I thought there were innumerable other causes, frankly more worthwhile, than the research interests of the small community of religious studies academics uh, interested in Mormonism to which donors could contribute. And since I myself felt little, little enthusiasm for it, I could not imagine myself being able to generate much enthusiasm in any potential donors. So, responding to the 14th June email, I immediately resigned not only as editor of the Farms Review, which by this time the director had renamed the Mormon Studies Review, but as the Institute's director of outreach. My stay overseas continued as long planned for another month. It wasn't a very pleasant time, as my thoughts were dominated by what I regarded, and continue to regard, as effectively the destruction, certainly the hijacking, of an organization to which I and others had given a great deal of our time and effort, at considerable cost to our own personal academic interests and careers. Soon, though, I began to receive emails from people who had been closely associated with farms, and who believed the torch farms had carried since its founding in California in 1979 needed to be picked up, now that it had been dropped by a new organization. 
Accordingly, within just a few days of my return to the United States in late July 2012, several of us, David Bakavoy, Bill Hamblin, Bryce Haymond, Louis Midgley, George Mitten, Mark Wright, Stephen Ricks, and I, met over lunch at the Olive Garden Restaurant in Provo, Utah, to discuss whether we should launch such an organization, and if so, what it should be called, and what exactly it should do. We had no funding, no institutional backing from anybody. It was just us. We decided to proceed under the name of the Interpreter Foundation. We also decided, since we had no office, no office staff, no space for warehousing and inventory, and no mailroom, that we would publish an online journal rather than a printed one. This had the strong advantage, too, of making us a fully 21st century operation, working primarily online and electronically, with print media as a secondary focus rather than a primary one. Someone had once insightfully observed that Farms had been an Internet organization avant la lettre, before the letter, before the term. The Interpreter Foundation began its life attuned to the Internet and social media. We decided that in order to establish a presence rapidly, to make a splash, to make ourselves known, we should take advantage of the fact that I was slated to be the concluding speaker at the annual fair conference. If we could get our act together, I would announce Interpreter's launch there on the late afternoon of Friday, the 3rd of August, 2012. That was only nine days away. We also decided that, if possible, we would publish an article that day and follow it up with an article every week, ideally for several weeks in a row. David Bakavoy kindly offered us a paper that he had written to be our first publication. Mark Wright offered a paper written by himself and Brant Gardner, The Cultural Context of Nephite Apostasy, for our second week. For our third week, George Mitten provided a review of Jeffrey M. Bradshaw's Temple Themes in the Book of Moses, and for our fourth, Bill Hamlin came through with I Have Revealed Your Name, The Hidden Temple in John 17. Bryce Haymond undertook the urgent task of creating a website and preparing the articles for publication. We were on our way. As I indicated in my editor's introduction to the first volume of Interpreter, Journal of Mormon Scripture, our initial burst of productivity was facilitated by the fact that several of the articles in that initial issue came from the ill-fated, never-published last volume of my tenure at the Farms Review. That volume was jettisoned under the Maxwell Institute's new course, but the articles planned for it had already been edited and prepared for publication. And knowing the Maxwell Institute's new regime had cast them off, their authors gave Interpreter permission to publish them. On the 3rd of August, 2012, last, less than a week and a half after we had decided to launch Interpreter, a journal of Mormon scripture, and to establish the Interpreter Foundation, we had a new website up. David Bakavoy's article had been edited, typeset, and published, and I announced the new organization at the conclusion of the 14th Annual Fair Conference. We hadn't requested donations. We hadn't even applied for tax-exempt status yet or established a bank account. But donations began to come in immediately after I had finished speaking. People handed me checks while I was still standing at the speaker's rostrum. We were and continued to be deeply grateful for such expressions of support, even moved. And we've tried our best to be worthy of the confidence placed in us and to use the funds contributed to us efficiently and wisely. When this introduction of mine appears, we will have published at least one article every Friday. Sometimes we've published two or even three not merely for an opening splash, but now for roughly 250 consecutive weeks. The Interpretive Foundation has published multiple books, posted over 200 recorded scripture roundtables, hosted a blog, sponsored several conferences, put up a number of podcasts, and is now dipping its toe into film production. As history reminds us, life is definitely full of surprises, some painful and others refreshingly pleasant. Personally, I feel continually thankful for the authors, editors, technical experts, speakers, and donors 
who have made the Interpretive Foundation possible, and I hope it's not too tacky to say, candidly, that we've just begun. There are very, very good things on the horizon, and people who want to join in the cause will be warmly welcomed. This has been a recording of Looking Back Almost Five Years On, by Daniel C. Peterson, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 24, 2017, read by Daniel C. Peterson. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and it's for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.